Chris Skousey here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of The First Run, well, it's a big milestone, folks. This is our 653rd episode, 653. For this podcast landmark, we're covering the latest from the world's greatest actor as one of the world's greatest monsters, with Nick Cage as Dracula in Renfield. Nicholas Holt and Aquafina are in it too, I guess, so there's that. Then we check out an Iranian procedural serial killer thriller thing with Holy Spider. Um, okay. We run down the physical media releases, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, and then put a bow on this monumental occasion with our top five favorite supporting characters. So let's shine a light on this abusive power dynamic with a bit from Renfield. Is that is that a dig? Renfield, this is codependency 101. A narcissist will take full advantage of a codependent's low self-esteem, but you're the one with the real power and all you got to do is take it back how do i do that focus on your needs i mean i just haven't thought about any of my needs in years but if you were to stop focusing on his needs what would happen if i don't yeah what would happen stop focusing on his needs what would happen he won't grow to full power Exactly. He won't grow to full power. What? That's so weird. Why would you phrase it like that? But yes, he's right. He's he's right, man. Matt, quick question for you, if I may. What is Renfield all about? Well, if you're familiar with the Dracula story, he has a helper named Renfield, usually portrayed as a bug-eating crazy person that uh, gets Dracula over to London and then is promptly locked up and forgotten about. This one posits... What if they had a long-term relationship where he was the servant of Dracula for decades and decades and decades? Finally, when they're on the run, they move to Los Angeles and Renfield starts thinking, you know what? Maybe there's something better out there for me. And he starts looking for alternatives. And here we are. I started laughing there because when you started talking, I had a flashback to a very mid-teens Chris. So it's a story I cannot share here but if you ever run into me on the streets whatever uh hit me up and ask me what's up just say the word drac mm. and then i will rem- be reminded instantly of the story and i will share it with you wow. but I, I can't this is one this is why i've known chris a long time and i don't think this is one that i've heard folks so this is a- if you're fr- <laughs> yeah if you're friends with me at that time so low 30 plus years ago mm. 34 33 you, you would know okay but is it 30? No, 20. What's the math on that? I would be 16, 15, 16. Something. All right. So something to ask Ted about if I want to get the full scoop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd probably be the way to go. Matt, Renf- what is, did we, did I, did you answer yeah, this? I did. Yeah, you did. I did. What Renfit's all about? Yeah. Yes, I did. I got, sorry, drowned in nostalgia, a very inappropriate nostalgia for a moment. Renfield's tanking. Mm. No one's going to see it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very disappointed by that, mm-hmm. I guess. So what are your thoughts on this? Ta- oh, no, wait, my back up. I know how to perfectly to set this up for you. Matt, we are once again seeing a horror comedy. Mm. Just another one right in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? So, ugh, I like this. I didn't love it. I wanted to love it, but I only liked it. And I think, again, the comedy, when they kind of intersect with horror, doesn't always hit quite right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but I do appreciate the level of gore in it. There were some parts that were gory where extreme violence was half happening and I had a little chuckle to myself, maybe the only one having sure. a chuckle to myself in the theater, which I don't know what that says about me. You know, and I think there's a lot, you know, of, of decent comedic performances. Um, you know, Holt plays it relatively straight. Nick Cage is really hamming it up and for the most part it works, but I don't think it's quite as clever as he thinks he's being or it's quite as hilarious as he thinks it's being, but well, I mean, not all the time. I think there's some swings and misses there. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, you know, I think the, the comedic, I guess, highlight of this would be the guy who plays John Ralphio. I don't remember his name, but uh, John Ralph- ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz, I think, is probably the only one who's really hitting more than he's... He's got a good batting average, if we're going to keep the baseball analogy running. So, I think overall, it's relatively successful, but it's not as great as I was really hoping it would be. Yeah, so I understand this is based kind of short, around generally a story developed by Robert Kirkman, though the screenplay is by um, a, uh, Ryan Ridley, directed by Chris McKay, who did uh, The Lego Batman, which I think we're a fan of, mm-hmm. but then also that Chris Pratt Amazon movie, The Tomorrow War. Now, any relation to Adam, or is that just a coincidence? That I don't know. I could not tell you that. I don't know if you're lucky enough to hear me drop a pen there. Uh, I couldn't say. So... I guess he was, he wrote and directed on Robot Chicken, born in Winter Park, Florida, most his childhood in Chicago, inspired by Hitch. Doesn't say anything about any relationship to, uh, McKay on the, uh, okay. Wikipedias. So, very good. There you go. I know that was really important. I'm glad I spent time. <laughs> so, it's fun. All right. I think it's a bit of a one-trick pony. Mm -hmm. I think it has some recycled jokes in a horror package here, like the stuff with Kyle, right? Right. I mean, and then the whole running theme of the self-help stuff, which, again, particularly with the conclusion of the film, I just don't know if it really worked for me in any capacity for that. Um, I think Schwartz is a standout, and I do think that Cage is a standout here, but I think he is a tad underutilized. Mm. I think that he should have allowed to go perhaps even broader than he does. Okay. And I think that would have improved the film. I think it had a kind of a nice take on the original feel of those classic horror films from the late 20s and mid, mid through the 30s and such with the score. I enjoyed that kind of swelling strings and all that every now and then. And I loved how they opened it with kind of reshooting that scene mm-hmm. from Dracula, yeah. the Lugosi film. So there's a lot of nice little touches here. I love the, the, uh, over the top cartoonish gore, but I'll tell you, Matt, exploding bodies and, and do not make enough for scares or for laughs. Mm-hmm. I think in the end, we needed a bit more. Mm-hmm. From this, which in a way it's kind of crazy because it's a little gonzo at times with its gore and violence. Like when that guy gets his face ripped off. I mean, there's a bunch of that in there, but I still don't think we lean into it enough. I think there's a lot of great little pieces on this, but I think McKay just does not a good job, does not a good job of, man, I really slaughtered that sentence, does not do a good job of assembling the pieces together. Yeah, there is. I just think there's kind of a missed opportunity here, missed opportunity there, and yeah. Yeah, there is definitely something missing. I couldn't really put my finger on it. I think my thought was that it was partly because I think gore becomes effective 
when you're not, when it's in a comedy kind of scenario where you're not expecting it. And I knew just from trailers or from. Yeah, it was a red band. There was a, yeah, yeah. I I knew going in that it was going to be really gory. And I feel like if I didn't know that going in, I would have maybe been more taken off guard by it. But I, I think you're right. It feels a little as weird as this is to say, um, sanitized. It doesn't feel hefty or weighty or anything like that. It's all very CG heavy and it just doesn't quite work. I think the standout for me was the guy getting mm-hmm. his face ripped off. I mean, yeah. that was, I think, probably the best part, but uh, as far as the gore goes, but a lot of it is a little bit un- uninspired. It, does, it just doesn't bring a lot to the, the table. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I can disagree with you there. And I'll say too, uh, for the record, I enjoy ska music. So uh, there are some running gags there with that, which I I found funny. Yeah, but you know, but it so. but stung a little bit, didn't it? Maybe a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I was right there with you. I mean, but my my slice of ska fandom is very small. Um, I tried Same. to I tried to spread out into it, and I was like, oh, this is not a place that's for me. So I'll just kind of walk it back a little bit. Yeah, no, I have not really ventured too deep into those waters myself. Mm. It's, I mean, I still will listen to the Boston's mm-hmm. with some regularity, and I will not skip it if it comes up on shuffle. But yeah, that's kind of the extent of it. It's yeah, so I think that's fair. I'm I'm pretty I'm kind of surprised I didn't bring uh, Mephiscopheles into this the Satanic oh, Ska yeah. Band. Yeah, that would have been a good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you stayed through the credits. There's no end like credit scene or anything like that, post-credit stuff. But they did a kind of fun thing where the did almost like an Andy Warhol type, um, different color, triple image type thing okay. of a lot of the characters. And the film ends with kind of the, uh, with color satires with a film stock. And how do I put it? It's just, there's like a, there's like a line for the film for the, you know, the catch for the projector. And, and running through the left side the whole time, and, it, and, it, and there's a pull away shot from Cage oh, okay. doing this pose, and then the the film, you know, just you know, air quotes burns. Okay. And I, I, I just so I was glad I stayed through to watch that imagery. Imagery, but yeah, it's I look at it, Matt as it, it's a not so tight ninety three. Right. Right. <laughs> it's ninety three minutes long. And it's just not. It's just not that tight. So I ended up giving Renfield uh, a B minus. Yeah. Um, I'm in kind of sitting on the line between a B and a B minus. I think I'm going to go with a B. Uh, I may, you ask me again in a couple months, I may drop it down to a B minus, but I think I'm going to leave it at a B. I had a good enough time. Yeah. I laughed quite a few times. Not everybody in the theater laughed though. If in fact, I may have been the only one a couple times mm-hmm. and a few seats down from me, there was like a, I don't know, like an eight year old kid. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little concerned about those parents but whatever yeah you know you live your life do what you do you know i i when i saw deadpool in the theater there was some woman brought like maybe her nephew or something i'm hoping it was her nephew and not her child but she brought he was probably like seven years old and she didn't have a problem until they went to the strip club and then she's like oh you shouldn't be watching this <laughs> so i was like hmm. so all of the mega violence up until this point was okay all right good to know yeah yeah that's what really impacts kids so also too, uh, I'd like to see that. Happy to see maybe that Aquafina was able to escape those cultural appropriation charges mm. that kind of she was dealing with for a while. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. So well, in the beginning of her career um, and most of her comedic stuff, she was putting on like a a, um, a culturally black affect. Okay. Uh, and she has since dropped that, mm. which I'm ha- thankful that she did. That was kind of part of her shtick. Okay. Was uh, yeah. So. And she was getting a little, uh, 
shade for that for a while. So she's uh, appropriately dropped that. And then finally, Matt, I tweeted this out. I am once again back on my BS because I watched a movie and it wasn't like early in the morning and the bar was open. So I bought an unholy water, mm. the theme drink okay. for Renfield. Which was basically also known as a half-mast, okay. if you've ever had one, which is basically a Patron, Grenadine, and uh, Cranberry Juice. Okay. That's about the extent of it. Yeah. And it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was all right. It's basically kind of a, um, what, almost a margarita without the ice in the, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Seems Cranberry and tequila seems like a weird combination to me. Yeah, it was okay. Okay. I would probably give that, I'd probably give that a B- minus as well. Okay. Very good. For the uh, unholy water. The unholy water. Got it. Now it occurs to me, I don't know if that was for Renfield or for the Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. I, I'm I'm pretty confident it was for Renfield. You know, I they had like a soda, because my, my AMC doesn't have a bar. They had like a, a Black Dragon spit soda for Dungeons and Dragons. Did you try that? I, I did. That? It tasted basically like a Mountain Dew, basically is what it tasted like. Okay. Yeah. Most things do. Yeah, so I, w- I want to touch briefly my two. I-, I was really surprised that this tanked. Mm. It cost 65 bills to make. It pulled in 10. Wow. And it finished, like, what, third or fourth? I really thought the Pope's Exorcist was going to be just like this throwaway thing. Yeah. But I think just seeing Russell Crowe on that scooter through Italy really got <laughs> jazzed some people up to see it. And I do want to see it. Yeah. Maybe we can like force it into some kind of Halloween thing. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I was really surprised how poorly this film is done. Were you caught by surprise with that? Yeah, I am caught by surprise. I mean, I'm not surprised that, you know, Mario still has legs and that's still what people mm-hmm. are going to see. But I would have, I'm with you. I thought this would have killed the Pope's Exorcist because that seems like a classic throwaway, you know, horror movie that they make so many of. No, yeah, it's uh, it pulled in thirty six point six million on an eighteen million dollar budget. Holy so, shit! Really? Wow, yeah. that's crazy. So I don't know. I guess Russell Crowe still got some juice, as we like to say around. I mean, here. is it good? Are people saying it's good? I think it's generally can't be bad. Good. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, not terribly great. I don't know what the uh, RT score is on this one. Let's see here. Five out of ten. Forty nine percent. Wow. So below fifty percent. Yet this one I think is probably what in the six seven per six seventy range, something like that. Sixty seventy. It's at least positive. Uh fifty nine. Oh really? Okay. Yep. Uh, I guess that's pretty harsh then. There you go. What do you think so, it is? Is it Nick Cage? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if people just didn't know what to make of it. Yeah. If they didn't get the whole concept so they didn't bother i i i'm not sure what the because the um what he did with pascal perez did pretty well yeah. earlier this year yeah, or yeah. last year i have no times dilated i have no idea at this point yeah yeah so i don't know i'm not i can't explain it i don't people just people weren't in the mood for a horror comedy you know what? they're still maybe there's more me out there than than you realize maybe people just don't like it could be I, my life is built uh, you know in a crushing fortress of disappointment so i don't know why that would stop now <laughs> Did you see the trailer for that um, last uh, oh, yeah. voyage yeah, of the, 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 the new Dracula yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah, like the legit that. new Dracula movie? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. thought that was funny to, cool. to pair it with this this film. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about seeing that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's a monster Dracula yeah. and not a, uh, you know, 
a Nick Cage Dracula. Yeah. Well, I thought they're aren't they remaking Nosferatu as well? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, what's his name's doing it? Yeah. What's the his Northman name? guy? Oh, 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 yeah. Um, no, it's not. No, it's not him. It's Robert Eggers. Robert, Robert Eggers, Eggers yeah. is doing it. Okay. Not um. Not Northman guy. Not Northman guy. <laughs> 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 we are. I am still very old. Six fifty three. This is the professionalism you get with 653 episodes. <laughs> you know, the, the Northman guy. Yeah. You know, the guy did that movie that was good. That, uh. Um, the thing, you know, the dude. The guy with no shirt exactly on. Exactly. The Viking guy. You know, I. <laughs> oh, it was Robert Eggers. It is the same guy. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Chris. Go to bed. Holy cow. All right. I... No, it's not the Northman guy. It's Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers, <laughs> the Northman. Yeah, I was a little, I was like, oh, that's, I was, but I trusted that you knew what you were talking about. When, cause I didn't know his name, but when you said Robert Eggers, I'm like, I'm like, are you, I think it is Robert Eggers. In my head, I was thinking of the, of, here's, here's even more horrible radio podcasting. The guy did the movie Ghost. The A24 movie was a uh, ghost, right? A ghost story? That's it. A ghost story. I was like, and that was David Lowry. David, okay. I was, that's who I was thinking of was David Lauer. Gotcha. All is forgiven. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Everybody good? Yeah, let's, let's move on. Feedback at the first run.com. Matt, here's what's coming up on a physical media this upcoming Tuesday, April 25th. Sweet Christ. Uh, a movie that I owned on DVD that I have not since bought because I'll be perfectly honest with you. The first time I saw it, I thought it was a little dull, hmm. but I may reconsider and upgrade because it does star you know, the greatest musician in the history of music. Hello, Mr. Hello, Dr. Rice. Glad you came. I hoped you would. I realize you've made certain assumptions about me. I can see the flash of an X-ray camera. It's blinding. Why'd you come here? Where I come from, there's a terrible drought. We saw pictures of your planet on television. We saw the water. In fact, our word for your planet means planet of water. You watched it all on television? Where exactly did you come from? Well, I'm not an astronomer, but... Somewhere down there. Right around there. Matt, Nicholas Riggs, The Man Who Fell to Earth, is being released in 4K, exclusively a Best Buy via a Steelbook release. I just found this out, and I ran over to Best Buy to try and buy it, and it's currently unavailable. It's one of those things like a, like a week before the release date, uh, the pre-order shuts off, so you can't get it. So now I'm going to have to go into the store, and hopefully they'll have a couple there. They don't seem to sell a lot. Have you been to Best Buy recently and looked at the, the movie selection? Uh, you mean that it's pathetic depressing. thing? Yeah, that pathetic thing they call a movie section? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Target, too, is just as bad. The Target stuff is even worse. Yeah, I Walmart's think. awful. It's just a dying, you're, you're a dying breed, my friend. It's going to be just boutique stuff and buying. Uh, people are still buying physical media. It's just everybody's just buying it from Amazon yeah. at this point. Though I think still technically. DVD still outsells uh, Blu-ray and 4K, really? and it's still Walmart. I think is the number one retailer of that stuff. Well, but I think honestly, if it's not a new just, release, just so many people, so many, so many stores. 
Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. If it's not a new release, you know, it's not going to be at any of these stores. So you're really, your only option is to get it from Amazon. Yeah. And I've had a, like an internal shift to, with my purchasing, like I've realized, I think it's because I'm staring down from this year and I'm getting <laughs> closer and closer to, you know, the black cloth of the universe being laid over <laughs> my head. And I just, wow. I'm not buying stuff so much anymore. You know what it is? It's I'm focusing on like prestige stuff. Yeah. And then I will, but just any of the normal stuff that would like, Oh, you know, I saw this movie in the theaters. I enjoyed it. Let me pick it up on Blu-ray. Right. I, I don't have that urge anymore in, in any capacity. I, I've been that way for years, man. I never, I hardly, I have to really love it. To really want to get it. And if it's not in 4K, just forget it. I'm not buying it until it gets on into 4K. Right. Yeah. So I'm, but, but, so if I will wait, like, so I want to pick up, um, what was the most recent one? Not X, Pearl. Mm-hmm. I would like to have Pearl because I did buy X, but I'm going to wait. I picked up Pearl, uh, I picked up X on Blu ray for like five bucks mm-hmm. on uh, Black Friday. So I'm going to wait for Pearl to do the same thing. Yeah. But I will, though, buy John Wick Chapter 4 on 4K probably pretty damn fast. Yeah, me too. Because it's something I really, really enjoy. Yeah. But, and then, of course, the boutique horror stuff, which, you know, I'm always going to be grabbing. But that's, but I was talking to the Shelby, the guy who runs Viper Video down here in Tampa. And he does sell stuff online. Just check out his Instagram page. Just do a search for uh, Viper Video and then Tampa and I'll come up. And I, um, I find peace in a weird way too, knowing that I will not be buying like the next version of physical media. You think this is I'm, no 8K? For me, it is. No 8K for you? No. I can't, I'm not going to be able to see that anyway. Hmm. I'm not going to notice a difference that much of just between 4 to 8K. And you throw them, you're giving me Dolby Atmos now too. It's, 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 refreshing to know when I buy, you know, Lucio Fulci's City of the Living Dead in 4K <laughs> for the, I think, fifth time, mm-hmm. this is the last time I ever am going to buy it. You know, I think, though, you, I, I fully believe that you believe that, but I feel like some, some, at some point in your future, it'll be there, it'll be cheap, and you'll just say, you know what? I heard that the transfer is just so much better than the 4K. And you're like, I've got time. I've got the money. I'll pick it up. The only, like, I'm, I'm eyeing dog soldiers in 4K right now. Because mm. the new transfer that supposedly blows the old Blu-ray transfer out of the water. Okay. It makes it look, it's like a night and day difference. Okay. And I like, I like, you know, prime Neil Marshall. So, uh, I may like pull the trigger on that, but like that's the kind of transfer stuff I, I'm referring to. I haven't bought Casablanca yet, which is arguably my favorite film. And I'm waiting for that to drop in 4K to about, I think $14.99. I'll pull the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not going to need it in 8K. Same thing. I haven't pre-ordered that Superman set. Right. That's going to run at about a hundred right now, but I'm also nervous. That A, the transfers are going to be shit, and that the soundtracks, I, I don't know if they're going to do any improvements in the audio in those either. I don't know how much better they're going to be than the Blu-rays. 
So I don't know. And the other thing I'm going back and forth on, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this feedback at the first run.com is picking up the last of us in 4k. That's set. Right. I really liked it. And what HBO, excuse me, Max is doing now is really making me nervous. So I have, because of my phone plan and I bought into DirecTV streaming early, like I was one of the first part of that first group, I have HBO free for life, which included HBO Max. Right. And now when they're pushing out, pushing out Max, they're saying, um, if you signed up through a phone provider, Everything will be the same for the next six months, and then they will contact you if anything changes. Gotcha. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I was told HBO free for life. Right. Free for life is not six months. Right. So I'm getting really concerned about that. What are we talking about? We're working on, I think, you didn't play number five. I think we're, no, I didn't. think we're going to number four. <laughs> oh, one last thing. Yeah. And we can move on. <laughs> I was on Netflix tonight. You know what the number two streaming movie on Netflix is right now? What's that? That god-awful Michael Fassbender, The Snowman movie. Wow. There are people all over this world, or at least in the United States, who are streaming The Snowman. Let me tell you, if you are thinking of doing that, stop. Yeah, don't do it. Do not do it. That film is atrocious. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even, like, fun bad. It's infuriatingly bad. Mm-hmm. Do not watch it. Number two. Get your shit Number five. Kino Orber, Matt, is putting out the Burt Reynolds air quotes classic uh, from, I believe, 1986, Heat, where Burt plays in a Las Vegas uh, bodyguard and stuff happens. There's a brand new audio commentary with that, so you can pick that one up. And then next, Suicide Club, the independent Japanese horror classic, is coming back into print on Blu-ray. It is remastered and color corrected. I will probably be picking this up. I watched this as a rental, I think, from Netflix on DVD when it first came out. And it's creepy and weird when those kids all hold hands and jump in front of the... Oof. So, uh, but one of the uh, original OG classics of the uh, J-horror genre is getting finally put out in Blu-ray. Then after that... Get three coffins ready. Uh Huh? Shop Factory is putting out the Jackie Chan Collection Volume 2. I'm really excited about this. I've been stalking Volume 1. I needed to get to a certain price point. But Volume 2 is coming out next week, and it's Winners and Sinners, Wheels on Meals, The Protector, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars, Armor of God, Armor of God 2, Operation Condor, Crime Story, and City Hunter. All great films. Winners and Sinners and Twinkle Twinkle both get 4K restorations, though they're just blues. And the rest of them get 2K restorations. And there's uh, new audio commentaries, a couple special features as well. And that's what made, hit me, Matt. Marathon idea, Jackie Chan movies. Oh. Wow, you know what? I have only seen like one or two Jackie Chan movies. I didn't really like them, even in my heyday. Really? Yeah, in my heyday, I didn't even really like them. Well, well, I'm assuming like Rumble in the Bronx is one of them? Yeah, it was that in Legend of Drunken Master. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, they're good, but I, they just weren't my thing. The slapsticky piece of it was not really my thing. All right. Maybe not then. Next. <laughs> Looks like we shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Oh, oh, did you see? I did. That was good. That was good. Did you catch it? I, I didn't hear any. I didn't hear it at edit point. Either, I didn't hear it. Right? It was pretty smooth. Oh. I am good. Criterion is putting out the small axe set on Blu-ray. This is Steve McQueen's, uh, is it five films, right? Mangrove, Lover's Rock, Red, White, and Blue, Alex Weedle, and Education. All new masters. That's all it says is new masters. 
uh, approved by McQueen. Behind the scenes featurette, new conversation uh, as well, and uh, Uprising, a three-part documentary co-directed by McQueen and James Rogan about the tragic 1981 New Cross House fire and more. I really liked all of those films. Um, they all showed up on Amazon a while back. So if you have not seen the Small Axe series, you should definitely check it out. And then finally, there can be only one. a film that I wanted to do for the show before the Oscars, uh, at least from, I should say, before our top 10, but we didn't get to get it done. It's now available, so I will be checking it out. Return to Seoul, a 25-year-old French woman returns to Korea, the country she was born in before being adopted by a French couple for the very first time. She decides to track down her biological parents, Matt, but her journey takes a surprising turn. I kept reading this one of the best films of 2022, mm. so I really want to check it out. 4K releases. We talked about The Man of Fellow Earth. Speaking of Jackie Chan, Police Story 3 Super Cop is being released in 4K, a Blu-ray as well. Criterion is putting out Triangle of Sadness in 4K. Mm. A brand new 4K digital master, that approved by the director, new interviews, and some more stuff. But Matt, you're straight to DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with Terminal Invasion, the Bruce Campbell classic directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Yes, that's Sean S. Cunningham of Friday the 13th. It's an unrelenting assault of extraterrestrial terror. Inside an isolated airport, seven anxious passengers learn that their charter flight has been grounded by a blizzard. The unhappy passengers are soon stunned into silence by the arrival of Jack Edwards, played by Bruce Campbell, a convicted murderer escorted by two guards. But these soon prove to be the least of the passengers' problems as they realize that some members of the group are not who or what they seem. Mm. What should we be streaming this week? Well, it took a little bit of doing, but I think in advance of next week, which will become clear as I make this recommendation... It's to check out Fidi Alvarez's version of The Evil Dead. It is available only, as far as I can tell, on Pluto TV, so there will be ads. But it's really your only streaming option, and I suggest that you check it out and get ready for Evil Dead Rise next week. Yeah, I'll be watching that, too. I have the uh, the both Blu-rays, the first one and then the director's cut that came out later. It's kicking myself on that one, though, because when I bought the... Director's Cut Blue, I fired up, um, I said, let me look at the digital copy that came with my original set. Mm. And sure enough, Director's Cut was included in the digital copy. So I dropped uh, 12 bucks for basically nothing. But I have it on physical media, right? So that's good. That's what you need. I was trying to see if I should upgrade that one to 4K, but I think I'm going to be good. Yeah. We'll see. We'll rewatch and see how that goes. Okay. Fun time's over. Let's talk about Holy Spider. شش هفت ماه دنبالش هم خوب اصلا گیرش نمیارم این یارو که انشتین نیست بالاخره یه سرنخی یه نشونی یه چیزی بد باشه دیگه یارو هم قاتل معمولی نیست پس کجا میمونی خودش با هم تماس میگیره کی؟ همون مرده سرکار گذاشتی من نه معمولا بعد هر قطب ما زنگ میزنه به تو زنگ میزنه؟ آخشار به تو زنگ میزن چه میدونم یقین میدونه دبیر بخش جنایی و میخواد خبرش در بیاد So man the film Holy Spider is set in the holy city of Mashhad which is in Iran there's a journalist played by Zar Amir Abrahimi who interestingly enough was the casting director trying to fill this role and ended up taking it herself and she's a reporter who is covering a, a bunch of uh, murders 
of sex workers in this city by a uh, gentleman who is cleansing his city of impure and corrupt women. So the film focuses on the true events, but introduces the journalist character. There was journalists who covered it, but she wasn't like investigating it and so proactively involved. And there's a reason, Matt, why he did that. Because he decided that the film shouldn't focus so much on the murder and the mystery, but of the society and the culture that allowed it to happen. And for the groups of people, the citizens who actually supported uh, the killer. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to take more of a critical lens on the culture, not so much on the mystery and the murder and the death and the violence. Mm -hmm. So it was a Danish entry for the Best International Feature, nominated for Palme d'Or, and actually uh, Ibrahimi won Best Actress mm. as well at Cannes the, last year. Matt, what were your thoughts on Holy Spider? Was it the right decision to focus on the cultural aspects of the film, or would you have preferred a more traditional procedural kind of... Thriller. More of a, uh, yeah, like a la your Zodiac. Yeah, see, that's a good question. So... I want to say it's yes and no. I feel I really mm -hmm. appreciated the kind of look at the society and the culture that brought this, this kind of, uh, you know, figure out. And I thought it was really fascinating to see, you know, him getting support, um, even after he is caught, you know, from the people in the town, from his own family, all that kind of stuff. I thought was really interesting to see this kind of portrayal, but at the same time, there are parts of this, like the opening of this is very tense and it's pretty scary. Mm. And I feel like it could have been really effective doing that as well. And I, I, the only complaint that I have is that it seems to be trying to do too much. Like it's shifting too much in its tone. It doesn't quite settle on what it wants to be, which I think prevents it from me from like getting into like top tier, but I, I overall really enjoyed it. I just wish it could, it could have kind of picked a lane and stayed there, I think. Mm -hmm. I, the original version, supposedly, of the script was more true to the story, mm. but as, as time passes, they're trying to figure out how they're going to make it. They had lots of issues with, of just finding locations. Mm -hmm. Initially, they wanted to film in Iran, but they had lots of permit issues, probably for specific reasons. Mm. So they wanted to Jordan, I guess, but then that didn't shake out because of COVID hit. And they were kind of bouncing around. They ended up ending up back in Jordan and filmed it over, I think, like uh, just a little bit over a month. But the original version, they said, was more true to the story. But as time passed, because all this stuff was happening, and information and documentation stuff kind of disappeared and things got more scarce. So the director decided to focus more on framing it around the misogyny in the Iranian society. Because his point is that the story is not about religion or politics. He thinks of it as a cultural problem. Mm -hmm. So that's his focus of the film. It has aspects of Zodiac, and uh, I wouldn't say so much Seven, but one thing it doesn't do is it doesn't really focus so much on the killer as this haunting monster boogeyman, mm -hmm. right? And doesn't focus on the staging so much of the murders as more going from scene to scene being more concerned with the society and the surrounding events. He's almost a tertiary character. It's more about her dealing with all the misogyny and everything through the culture as she's trying to conduct this investigation. Then it seems more focused on 
the violence and in, in the murders of these women, uh, which I guess it's 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 a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a story you want to tell. That's fine. I mean, I think the aesthetics in the mood here are still well done and well set. I think one of the more shocking, disturbing things for me, too, it's not just the violence. It's not just the assaults, but it's the stuff like with his kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Particularly the way the film ends is one of the more chilling scenes in the entire film for me. So I don't know. I think he has a lot to say here about the cultural the culture and the society in Iran. But the problem is I think at times he's too focused on that mm-hmm. instead of providing us a compelling murder kind of tense mystery film. I don't know. I think that's kind of where I land. Yeah, I guess it really depends on what you wanted to get out of it, right? If you went into it expecting it to be, you know, a serial killer thriller film, um, and you were looking to see something in the the vein of Zodiac or or Seven or anything like that, you're going to be disappointed. Um, I think the cultural focus on it is is fascinating and. I would argue that the killer is not a tertiary character. He seems to be a primary character, especially since you spend so much time in his head and kind of understanding where he is at and like literally being a part of his delusions and stuff like that. So I, I think again, it's almost like it's just multiple movies wrapped up into one. I think there's good nuggets here on all fronts. I think it could have been, more focused and i think you know he could have made some decisions maybe to focus on one thing other than the other but overall i was you know i thought it was pretty good so i think abasi who's the director i think he does a good job portraying the victims as human beings mm-hmm. as living people but i think when it comes to saeed our killer he's a vessel mm-hmm for the cultural rot in us in the society that allows that supports him. That's kind of how, when I say he's a tertiary character, I don't mean like he's a side thing. I think he's it's not so much a character as he is a representation of this society, at least there's certain aspects of that society. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I think that's, but I think what you're saying is accurate. I think it asks a lot of questions of its audience, Matt. I really do. And I think it's a little rough around the edges on its delivery. I think that the direction is some, I just think we could tighten up a few things here, but I think the issue in the end is that, and I, and I did enjoy it. If enjoying is the right word, I appreciated the film on its merits. It's an example though, a filmmaker, I think more concerned with communicating a message than telling a story. Mm-hmm. I think is where I really end up. I'm giving Holy Spider a B. Uh, you know what? Great minds think alike. I'm going to give it a B as well. I think it's still worth your time. I think it's, it's a tough sit at times, um, on all, on many, many different levels. Um, very graphic at times. It is. Too. It really is. Yeah. Some things I was not expecting at all. I'm glad no one walked in while I was watching it, um, <laughs> in the living room at, in, on a Saturday afternoon. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, overall a, a very effective film. I'll be interested to see what he makes next. Yeah. There is a couple graphic depictions of sexual acts. So just as a heads up. For the folks, if you're watching this with the kids or Graham or, you know, your Mima walks in, you just be prepared. <laughs> that's all. So uh, if you had a chance to see Holy Spider, it's currently streaming at Netflix. We'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. And I'm too. One thing I get 
nervous about too is there is some blowback too from Iran as a country on this. They were very upset that Khan accepted it. There, I guess that uh, Ibrahimi, the woman who starred in it, she said she's received over 200 death threats mm. since she won the award at Khan. And it's just, it just, it saddens me that this is kind of where we are right now. Here, there, and here. I don't, well, let's not get into all hey, that stuff. Hey, you're living in the center of it, my friends. Oh, my God. I, the, de- yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, the first time in my life, Matt, I'm actually really kind of nervous about going to the theater now. Are you? I'm scoping exits yeah. every time I walk in now. My wife would always say, she said she's nervous. I, I just tweeted this out tonight, actually, that she's nervous whenever I go to the theater. Mm. And I'm always I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. But now I go and I'm like, Looking around yeah. when I get there, what am I going to do? Do I duck? Do I? What do I do? Yeah, it's it's a sickness. It's what it is. All right, let's have some fun. Yeah, let's, let's close out the show and share. Let's share our five favorite sidekicks. Mm. Here's one that didn't quite make the cut for me. I hope it's on your list, so I ruined it. Been a long time. Yes, ma'am. A lot of water under the bridge. Some of the old songs. Sir. Yes, ma'am. Where is Rick? I don't know. I ain't seen him all night. When will he be back? Not tonight no more. He ain't coming. Uh, he went home. Does he always leave so early? Oh, he never. Well, he's got a girl up to the Blue Parrot. Goes up there all the time. Used to be a much better liar, sir. Leave him alone, Miss Elsa. You bad luck to him. Play it once, Sam. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Oh, I can't remember it, Miss Elsa. I'm a little rusty on it. She's a little. She's. He's a little rusty, man. He can't really remember. Hear my seat, my chair squeaking. I gotta get some WD forty on that bad bear. Get a new chair or something. That is Sam, of course, from Casablanca. I think we're gonna have, insulting to call him a sidekick. I mean, I think we're having. Uh, we're gonna have very different lists here, because okay, what was on the li- on the things that supporting characters? So I went. I went with that ah. idea. Okay, I may have screwed that up. That's fine. So I'm going to have sidekicks. You're going to go supporting characters. Because you're right. I think that is what's on the actual list. So way to go, Chris. <laughs> I'll start it off. We'll give you ultimate number one, Matt. My number five, No Time for Love, Dr. Jones. It's Short Round from Temple of Doom. Uh, just so much fun, that character, and um, how he really kind of holds his own for the most part. But uh, introducing the child element into the Indiana Jones uh, mythos, which is uh, fun. It kind of gives us a representation as well to kind of we're hanging out with our Uncle Indy, getting into an adventures. And uh, just a fun, great little performance. And a, at times, terrifying film, mm. especially if you're a kid. But um, still, when it comes to just memorable moments, uh, Short Round is my number five. All right. So what about you and your entirely different list? Well, actually, this... This character is also a sidekick. So 
will be in sync for one selection. Okay, good. So my, my number five is Hit Girl from Kick-Ass, mm-hmm. played by a very young Chloe Grace Barretts. Uh, sidekick to Nicolas Cage, Big Daddy, and the Batman analog. And um, I think that's really when Kick-Ass took off for me, is when she came in to rescue Kick-Ass from the drug dealers, and then... Um, the uh Dickies version of the Banana Split song kicks in and she just annihilates everyone in that room in a very graphic way with the juxtaposition of a 12-year-old doing this and being very proud of herself while she's doing it is, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the cherry on top. I thought, you know, it's uh, weirdly to say it's probably still one of her best performances as far as uh, characters go. There you go. I haven't watched that one in a long time. And at one point, are we just going to announce, if it's true, Aaron Taylor Johnson is your next James Bond? Oh. I'm hoping that's coming. Okay. That's the rumor. Okay. We'll have to see what happens. All right. Matt, my number four, then, is the silent sage himself, except when he actually does talk. And that, of course, is Silent Bob, character portrayed by Kevin Smith across a bunch of movies in the View Askew universe, uh, with his initial clip about or his speech about you know not all chicks bring you lasagna at work to uh chasing amy to great little quips and moments but his interactions with jay always some of the highlights of all of those films and uh so yeah silent bob's my number four it's a good one all right so my number four then is um Someone who jumped straight off the page and into our lives, and it's been such a good performance that he keeps coming back for more because we just cannot see anybody else fulfilling the head of the Daily Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson and mm. J.K. Simmons, who is barely on the screen, but he fits in exactly with your idea of what J. Jonah Jameson would like and just gives him just a touch of humanity to make him not quite as much of a bastard that you need for J.J. Which do you prefer, the Raimi version or the... Uh, I prefer the, the Raimi version because he's actually like a newspaper editor, and I understand mm-hmm. why they changed it, because um, print is dead, apparently. But, you know, I kind of like that throwback, and you got to love the flat top. That's true. And one of my favorite uh, GIFs uh, that I use on Twitter is the uh, when he's laughing hysterically mm-hmm. and goes, you're serious? <laughs> I use that all the time. All right. My number three, then, Matt, I will be... Your Huckleberry. Mm-hmm. It's Doc Holliday, played by Val Kilmer in Tombstone. A just fantastic performance by Val. Steals every scene he's in. I don't care how great Kurt Russell or Sam Elliott's mustaches are. Val Kilmer is just the electricity. He's lightning in a bottle on that film. So uh, that's why he's my number three. Yeah. Every, every gesture is... <laughs> A lightning strike, as far as Val Kilmer goes. Let's talk about Dare you. <laughs> um, all right. So my number three is um, an entry that I didn't think was really. I was really trying to rack my brain where I could, who I could put on this list, and I put on um, uh, Michael Madsen's turn as Bud in Kill Bill, the only mm. male member of the um, Mamba or the, the the what are they called? The I forget. Don't they have a name like a group name? Anyway, oh, they do. I forget. Whatever it is, the snake, the killer snake, you know, gang or whatever. It's the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. Oh, thank Matt. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Brother to brother to uh, Bill, and I just really liked how he's kind of haunted by what he's done. He knows he deserves whatever's coming to him, and you kind of get this glimpse that of all the horrible shit that he's done. He's basically just 
hit rock bottom where he's cleaning out the toilet in a strip club. But at the end of the day, when the bride comes for him, he's, he's really the only one that gives her a run for her money. And, um, I just thought Matson's performance for, you know, the 10 minutes he's in the film is fantastic. My favorite part of that film with, with Bud is probably when he's talking to his boss at the strip club and he's looking at the calendar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you working Wednesday? Oh, no, no, you're not. You're not working. <laughs> Let's go to the calendar. It's calendar time. Calendar time for Buddy. It's <laughs> such a great scene. I've had this urge to watch both films again recently. So uh, maybe that'll be coming up. That would be an immediate buy for me. I, even though I still own yes. them on Blu-ray, but it, if I could get the whole bloody affair, like on 4K, instant. I wouldn't even wait for it to drop. I would buy it right away. Yeah, I have one of the fan edits of it digitally, mm -hmm. which is everything combined with the full color version of the Crazy 88's fight, as well as the deleted scene with um, Michael J. White inserted in as well. Okay. But that and 4K, if you're going to put that out in 4K, there's no reason to not release the whole bloody affair at right. this point. There isn't a reason. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. My number two then is Swa. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know if it's diminished, if it's insulting to refer to him as a sidekick, but Spock to Captain Kirk's, uh, Captain or Admiral, uh, is, just the heart though, even though he's the emotionalist Vulcan, right, Matt? He's, uh, He's still like the, the friendship that he has that he shares between the three of them, him, Kirk and McCoy. I guess McCoy is always really the heart, right? Mm -hmm. He's the, uh, but still you connect with, uh, Spock is just such a great character for Fred Leonard Nimoy. Even the, um, new Spock in, uh, uh Star Trek. So Zachary Quinto yeah. plays him. Yeah. I think it's pretty good, yeah. but, uh, Leonard Nimoy as Spock and his death in Star Trek part two, man, it gutted me as a kid. I could not believe it. Yeah. His so. was the, he is the most human. <laughs> His was the most human. What's the episode where two, he's like, no, Jim, I am not going back when they're on the vacation world. I can't remember what that one's about. I mean, I remember what it's about, but I can't remember what the episode was. And that's when, um, is it McCoy or Scotty's chasing Peter Rab or the rabbit from Alice in Wonderland too? That's all that episode. I'm right? sure that was Scotty. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that all was right. Scotty. All right, so my number two, I've, I won't talk too much about it. Spock. My number two, um, uh, that is actually one of my favorites. Uh, not to go on another tangent. Uh, this show's been nothing but tangents. <laughs> that, that mystery science theater, the movie, um, it's still one dumb thing that me and my brother still quote. There's a guy in this island earth. He kind of dramatically looks up and, and, you know, Mike goes, Spock. And I was like, yep, that's, that's the one. <laughs> Still do it to this day. <laughs> Ruth! <laughs> yes. I gotta watch. I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah. I only had that on VHS. I never bought that. I, think I have it on DVD. I still have it on I gotta get. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta get that Blu-ray at some point. I haven't watched that in a long time. All right. Anyway. So number two is again from one of my favorite movies. I won't talk about it too much. Uh, it's Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. Mm -hmm. A terrifying force of nature performance uh, by Javier Bardem. He's just, you know, this presence that's on screen every single time he's on there. And, you know, I wouldn't think that he can make something as stupid as Frendo sound so menacing, but he somehow manages to do it. That's a good one. All right, Matt, where are we? My number one then? Yeah. It's Chewy. Yeah. It's gotta be Chewy. Yeah, very good. 
I don't know who else it would be, really. So, yep. So it's Chewbacca, you know, even though... What did you think of the solo turn where we get the introduction of the origin of how Chewie and Han first got there? I'm on record as saying I don't think the... I think the whole solo film is unfairly maligned, but... Mm-hmm. Agree. Uh, I thought the kind of intro to Chewie was, was okay, I think. Okay. I thought it was, that was pretty good, but it's not a quite what I was expecting as far as his Wookiee life debt was concerned. Hmm. The stalwart companion, hmm. the buddy you always need and want in your corner, Chewbacca, uh, my favorite sidekick. Again, it sounds diminishing to say it that way, but still, um, just so much fun. All heart, that kid. You gotta love him. Always there to do whatever he can for his friends. You know what? As much maligned as I, hate the the sequel trilogy i dare say almost almost as much as i hate the prequel trilogy but there is the one the death of han solo spoiler uh where chewy kind of reacts to that it, it gets me in the yeah. feels every time it's the it's yeah. the emotional crescendo of that entire trilogy which is uh, anyway <laughs> and another small minor small minor thing too is how they really uh bring in it finally show the power of his like crossbow laser gun yeah. thingamabobber. Yeah. Th- after all this time, mm-hmm. you really kind of see its full impact, or at least they amp it up yeah. for a, a gag or something, but still. All right, bring us home, Matt. What's your, who's your favorite sporting? Uh, fan? my number one is, I think again, we're going to go back to, to, uh, Quentin Tarantino with Inglorious Bastards. That's Christoph Waltz as Hans Landa. Uh, mm. I think, uh, one of the great modern villains. Uh, I think, that opening scene is maybe in a contender for the one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, he's just fantastic. And I think we really expected him to be like this, this force in Hollywood where I think maybe it was even you who said that really it just, it just turned out that Christoph Waltz was just doing Christoph Waltz. And that's kind of, he does the same kind of shtick throughout the right. whole thing, but it was, it's absolutely perfect for Inglorious Bastards. That's a good pick. I think we should do at some point in the future is we'll reverse it. I'll do my favorite supporting characters and you do your sidekicks. Gotcha. Kicks. Okay. Fair enough. And then we'll, we'll clean it up that way. Uh, honorable mentions for me for sidekicks. I had, uh, Cal Naughton Jr. from Talladega Nights mm-hmm. by, by John C. Riley. Uh, Cosmo Brown singing in the rain. Ned, uh, Morgan Freeman and Unforgiven. Danny, uh, from Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. corresponded by, by, uh, Nick Frost. Mini Me from Austin Powers uh, 2, right? Spy of Shaggins when he showed up. Walter Subcheck from The Big Lebowski. Samwise Gamgee, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly confident that will show up on Matt's list on that list. Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin. Inigo Montoya mm. from The Princess Bride. Tommy DeVito in Goodfellas. Yeah. Tuco in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And then finally, Q in the James Bond franchise. And if I had to choose one, probably Desmond Llewellyn. All right. Very good. Honorable mentions for you for supporting characters? Just a few. I had Doc Holliday on there as well. Um, I couldn't be bothered to look up his name, which is just incredibly lazy and terrible. I'm sorry. But Brad Pitt and 12 Monkeys, his crazy turn in that, I think, is, uh, mm-hmm. is a good bit of character actor work, which is where Brad Pitt should live for all of his characters. And then I right. uh Rusty. Again, sticking with Brad Pitt from Ocean's Eleven, and then a good uh, one. Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's a good one. That's nice. Yeah, anytime uh, Brad Pitt's eating in a movie, you know, <laughs> it's probably, likely going to be good. 
All right, Matt. So uh, who's your favorite supporting character or sidekick? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'm upset we have to fire another intern, but them's the bricks. Mm. Matt, what's coming up next week on The Big Show? Well, uh, we definitely are doing Evil Dead Rise. Um, we were also going to do Bo's Afraid, but there is some scheduling problems, so we may push that for a week, and we'll just have to see what we come up with for number two. Yeah, that Chris Pine, Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Honor the Armis movie oh, yeah. is hitting Netflix. Okay. So that's an option. And, uh, yeah, we could revisit the Evil Dead director's cut too, if we had to, because I don't think we've ever talked about that. Uh, who knows? We'll figure it out. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Uh, did I say Facebook? I'm barely on Facebook. I hate Facebook. Scroll, scroll, scroll. And uh, we will show up. Head over to thefirstrun.com. You can find an archive of all the old shows. I mean, all the shows. As well as the uh, report card, which I think I'm overdue. Time to update that report card, Matt. And, um, yeah. I guess that's that's pretty much it. Oh, Apple Podcasts. Head on over there and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. Screen Run, new episode dropped this week. Memoirs of an Invisible Man with a friend of the show, Shauna. Uh, they showed up and joined us for that, which was fun. And, well, I'm not going to spoil it. You're going to have to listen to that one. And uh, that's it, Matt. So why don't we go ahead, take an extended break. We will see you all very soon. Take care of yourselves. We love you. Bye. You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Come on, little dick. Yeah, yeah.